Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show. Episode 27, coming at you from the Meaner True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Eric Fisher, our co-host, producer, man on the ones and twos. Joined in person by Ramsey Thompson, our studio host. How are you doing, buddy? What's going on, boys? And joining us from home on Baby Watch. What a nerd. The coach, Justin Dahl. Is he really the coach we, anymore? Hey, technically, Hello. Technically, Hello, guys. We are literally hours away from baby JJ making an appearance in this world. Uh, you're welcome for joining the show. Uh, you know, taking a minute away from caring for my wife and, and, and doing the dad thing and the husband thing and kind of just taking care of things around the house like I do to join you guys and, and kind of up up the value of this show. So uh hope things are good over there at the at the old studio. Uh, I'm a little sad I haven't made an appearance there in a while, but uh, pretty right. soon, boys. Pretty soon I'll be there. So just to touch on something Ramsey said, he said, are you technically the coach anymore? And the answer is yes, but Justin, why don't you elaborate on that a little bit here, buddy? I have I have uh, made some some decisions in life. Uh, I've moved off of being the head girls basketball coach at Gillette, and I have accepted the head football coaching job at Gillette. So still technically the coach, but after 17 years as a basketball coach, it's a it's a little sad to say goodbye. Um, to my players, I did that last night, and an hour after I did that, I was introduced as the football coach. Um, a little sad to say goodbye to the girls. I'll miss them, um, but I'm excited. I'm excited for for uh, taking over a program that that is uh, really uh, needs some help. Um, we're starting at the at the ground floor, and I think we could do some. Special things. I've got. Uh, I've got the makings of a great staff that I'm starting to put together. Um, things are really kind of going fast, and uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, how we're going. Uh, I got to get a schedule. I, I'm telling you, boys. When I say things are going fast, it's 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 going real fast. So um, schedules and meeting parents and getting getting everything else settled out and getting Eric and Ramsey a playbook. playbook. I've been on you. Yeah. I've been ready. Like I heard, I'm like, <laughs> I need to get a playbook in front of me. I got to start getting it entered, getting plays drawn out. They're probably not going to yes. use because I'm garbage at it, but <laughs> I can see. Right. I, going... have, I have, I have a guy that has drawn some up. That's going to be the actual offensive coordinator. Um, and once that's finalized, I'll get you guys the playbook. I can see Ramsey just going on to like Mad 2005 back when you could create a playbook using these plays and just, oh, let's see if this works and this route, this guy does this route, this guy does this route. I could see that happening. And I'm you know, for that. I'm so into offense. I, don't, I sim the defense playing Madden. I don't give a expletive about defense, nothing about putting points up. You never get the chicks playing defense. You only get the chicks when you're dancing in the end zone. That's false. That's defensive line. Wait. Nah. You win championships. Nah, you win nah, championships. Nah. It's not about winning championships, so let's get in the chips. At high school football. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> high school football. Your whole, <laughs> your whole premise on this show doesn't matter. Unless Didn't win a championship, it doesn't matter. Oh, got him. 
We got some business to talk. Our partners over at Monkey Knife Fight and Raise Energy. Best ways you can support the show. Go play some contests. Let us know how you do. You know, play along with us or don't because we, we all suck. suck. But, you know, don't listen to us. Put money in your pocket. Life will be good. Also, Whatever we do, do the opposite. Except when it comes to Raise Energy. I heard that Raise Energy might be the best thing for you. It, I cannot confirm that it's I'm not, not condoned. I'm not a doctor. That's I don't know. not medical advice. That is not condoned by the FDA. I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying. However. Personal experience. I, I've, you know. Rep Sports is a lifestyle. Join the Raise Rebellion. They've got protein powders, uh, protein popcorn, pre-workout, sleeping assistance. You name it, they got it. Energy drinks, shaker bottles, clothing, hats. It's all there. Decals for your car. You want to look cool going into summer? Razor Rebellion. Razor Rebellion. Rep Sports, R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. Code root 4 R O O T number 4, R-O-O-T number 4. Like Brett Favre. Like Brett Favre. I or, and the show. I would say that Brett Favre would probably drink Rays. Brett it, Favre probably would. I cannot if, confirm that. I, I, I have no idea, but I would guess like prime Brett Favre chugging beers in Appleton all night before the game, <laughs> wakes up Sunday morning, the fir- if I was Brett, the first thing I would have grabbed at that point would have been a raise. Probably an Apollo. Yeah, probably an Apollo. Nice little, a little bit lighter in the morning, you know. You know they have a new flavor today, too? Uh, strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. Was just released. I have not got a chance to get my hands on some yet. However, when I do... You're going to know. We're just going to shotgun them. Just shotgun and raise. Yes, sir. Yeah. So we go from that to what we had rooted for. This is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics love on. I'm wearing some Fanatics gear right now, actually. Got a nice Brewer shirt on. And Fanatics isn't just Brewers. It's NBA, NHL, NASCAR, NFL, and so much more. 300-powered sport stores. And if you can't find it there, you don't need it because they've got your team. They've got your gear. College sports, pro gaming, golf, it's all there. Show your love for your team, whether you're on top of the world or in the middle of a rebuild. Fanatics hashtag love on. Speaking of someone that should be in the middle of a rebuild. And not yet, not yet, not yet. Mm. We are, so we'll be the positives here first. What positives? Live in the state of Wisconsin. That's fair. <laughs> fair. Summertime, let's, let's just keep the vibes going. Like Wisconsin's cool, but our sports teams all suck. Keep the vibes going. All of them. Yeah, yeah. We'll get, we'll get to that in a little bit. Just, okay. Start with the positives. And I'm going to go NASCAR here. I'm going to go Kyle Larson. Hendrick Motorsports. Kyle Larson has won three races in a row. Granted, only two technically count, but he also left Sunday a million dollars richer. Well, let's not forget, too, that he probably sure won Circle of the Americas. He did win Circle of the Americas. No, he didn't. Chase Chase Elliott won Circle of the Americas. However, Kyle Larson had the best car, and if it wasn't for Chase Elliott's stretch-out pit strategy, he Probably won, would have won that race, too. He's won, He's had two or three other races he should have won already. I think he finished second four times. And you can't tell me he wasn't the better car in almost every one of those. Right. I think it's just right. pitch strategy late, not being quite accustomed mm-hmm. to the team yet. Talking Atlanta, where Blaney won. You're talking Circuit of Americas, where... Who was it that won Circuit of Americas? Chase. Chase. Uh, oh, yeah. Darlington. Yep. You yeah. Na- it, yeah. So... All in all, just 
on a bender right now for Hendrick Motorsports. And not and, and not only in NASCAR, but he's on fire in the dirt scene too. He's it's, just he's winning everything. Lighting. If yeah. he's behind the wheel, he's in, winning. In, That's just the way it multiple, is. He he goes home. He multiple. hits the highway. He's winning. I don't care where he's going. He's winning. You know, I and I know not a lot of other people follow the other sports car racing in the world. I would love to see Kyle Larson hop in an Indy car or hop in like a, you know, WeatherTech sports car. Like I, car. that would be just. I I I don't. I think he'd win those too. Like he's that good right now. Yeah. Put him whatever. I don't care. I'm taking Kyle Larson. Yeah. Ramsey, what are you rooting for? Are you going to stick with nothing, or you got something to? I'm to rooting for here? the Bucks to lose. I'll leave it at that. We'll get to that pretty heavily throughout the episode. Justin, man, I'm I, I rooted for a amazing UFC card that uh, I actually bought this weekend. Uh, just there were there were three five round fights on it. Um, the prelims were extraordinary. Uh, all the way, I mean, the whole card period was awesome. There was Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards, which was probably a title a contender match. Um, Diaz almost snuck it out at the end with in the last minute of a five-round fight. Uh, almost knocked him out, but Edwards pretty much dominated the whole fight outside of that. And then there were two title, two actual title fights. In Davidson Figueredo versus uh, Moreno, um, that was just a, a, a beautiful display of submission uh, by Moreno and uh, unseating the champion and becoming the first Mexican-born champion uh, in in the UFC. So that's huge for the UFC. That opens a huge market um, that they can just uh, flood this guy with. Uh, just big, and then and then the the big one with uh, Israel Adesanya versus uh, Vittori. And this was this one was a, a, a little bit uh, contesty. There are some out there that think Vittori um, won some more rounds than than he got. There were three judges that pretty much scored this fight fifty to forty five. There are some pundits out there that thought uh, Vittori won the fight at 48-47. Um, so, uh, in my eyes, I think Adesanya just clearly was was way better than him. Um, it, it was kind of a stupid fight to begin with because he whooped his ass the first time. So, Israel Adesanya is probably the most dominant outside of Kamaru Usman right now in, in the UFC. Uh, it's an exciting time. They're, they're opening market. So uh, just a great card from, from top to bottom. Uh, they did a great job. And, and I'm telling you, boys, rev up your engines. We're a couple weeks away from Poirier McGregor 3. It's going to be huge. You know, it's too bad that one of the Paul brothers aren't fighting. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Oh so it's too bad. You, you, you. You ruined a great take by me with the UFC with the Paul brothers, the goddamn Paul brothers. The hottest thing in sports right now, bud. No, they're not. No, they're they're a joke. Logan Paul, uh, I'll give it. I said this last week. That fight that he had with Floyd, that was a legitimate fight. He did a great job. He got his ass whooped. He did a great job. 
But Jake Paul, that that he's, expletive dude is a joke. He's the better fighter of the two. Jake's a better fighter than Logan is. I don't know. All right, boys. We'll go from positives to the negatives. And with know. this segment here, we are going to explicitly stay clear away from the Milwaukee Bucks because we're going we're gonna to do our noogies here. We're going to talk a little bit around the rest of the state of Wisconsin. And then the rest of the episode is probably going to be the Bucks noogie because damn do they deserve one. So explicitly no Bucks takes here. I got a dollar says Ramsey goes straight bucks. <laughs> He's so, going straight bucks. Yeah, the wheels are turning. I I, I probably shouldn't have said that, but <laughs> I think he can respect me enough to to respect my wish on this. But with that said, I might as well let him get out of the way. Ramsey, your nookie of the week. My nookie of the week is the NBA as a whole. Okay. And All right. So, I don't know if you saw it today. Chris Paul got put on COVID list, COVID protocols for <laughs> indefinite time. Whatever reason. And from all the reports I've seen, Chris Paul's been vaccinated. So, I'm not really sure why we're still wasting time with putting a player like Chris Paul into COVID protocols. Whatever. that It is what it is. That's a bad look for the NBA, especially when LeBron was out seeing partying with all sorts of people and he didn't get put on protocols. But that's besides the point. Also, I, I'm kind of sick of, like, I, I respect Kevin Durant's game, but even Kevin Durant's kind of a whiny bitch. Like, he's just a soft dude. And he's getting all this play today about being such a great player. I, I just see kind of a soft dude in general. and There's no real players in the NBA anymore that can do something about that without getting major fined or ejected. Um, I don't want to take some of those nookie of the weeks we talked about before the pod, but there was another player that was wrongfully ejected. Um, yep. uh, the, the NBA just as a whole has become a relatively soft league. And I, I'm a pretty big NBA fan, especially this time of year. Like I try to watch every single game. I love playoff basketball. It's, I enjoy it, but it's just a lot of soft AAU culture, and these guys want to be buddy buddies instead of actually want to win games. And it just—it's kind of a sad thing to watch how the sport has transitioned into just letting players just kind of go, like a player like Kevin Durant, like I said, just kind of being known for being soft and then no one can touch about the basketball floor without being ejected. So my new of the week right now is on the NBA. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It really gets this AAU culture, which at this point I'd probably say, I don't, I don't even know want to toss around a figure, but I'd say the overwhelming majority of the NBA players actively playing right now probably were a part of. Yeah. And oh, yeah, you get to a point here where they're all buddies off the court, which isn't a bad thing. Be buddies off the court. But you lose some of that killer instinct in the players. You know, everyone's just trying to, you know, it's it's all about the stats, the highlights, you know, getting theirs. And if you even look at a guy funny, they get they take offense to it and then a little squabble breaks out. And 
then it's two, three minutes of nothing. And, you know, Justin's talked about this in the past of how soft the NBA is right now. And granted, I'm not saying that it should be back like it was in the 90s where dudes were getting hard fouled into the, the basket and, you know, risking injury. But you got to find a happy medium between the two. But so we wonder why all these players are injured, though. Like, I, we've all played football to some extent, right? Right. And when you get hit, you learn how to fall. Right. And it's the same thing in the NBA. Some of these guys, are, the playoff intensity is turning up a little bit. And all these guys are getting injured because they haven't had to fall all year. Like, we wonder why. Well, their bodies just aren't for it. You know, you, got, you, have, you see so many soft tissue injuries right now. Yeah. Hamstrings, calves, you name it. And it's just like, okay, you know, what are we going to do about this to the point where, like you said, and not even necessarily knowing how to fall, but just their bodies aren't tuned up for it. So it's a combination of you've got guys, you know, in a regular year playing 82 games plus playoffs. So in a sense, you know, you kind of go, got to go through the marathon. But at the same time, you're not conditioned for the marathon either. Well, it's all this load management crap that even Kawhi Leonard, look, Mr. Load Management takes, what, 20, 25 games off a year and now messed up his knee. And there's yep. talks that he's not going to be back the rest of the series. So what we allow our NBA stars to say, no, I'm not going to play. And then they're not ready when the game intensifies in the playoffs. And like I said, we wonder why all these guys are hurt. It's because there's no conditioning for it anymore. They don't practice ever anymore. They just kind of go hang out in the offseason, be uh, celebrities, and then they come back in the regular season, and they're like, oh, we have an 82-game season. I'll get in game shape throughout the season. And then they take 20 games off, and now they're, like you said, soft tissue injuries. And it's just kind of a, just, it's just a not a great brand of basketball right now. It's kind of sad. The playoffs are better than what the regular season is. Regular season at this point is probably not even watchable, but at least the playoffs are okay. But even the playoffs, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know, a bunch of guys that are overpaid and overvalued probably, I'd say. Oh, my God. I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. That, that oh, my God, wasn't at you. It was, I'm, I'm watching this game right now. Um, they, they, the Atlanta Hawks are down 20, but they are doing a hack, like the hack a shack system on Ben Simmons, on Ben Simmons. And it's, and it, there's four forty three left in the second quarter. They're down 20 and they're hack a shack and Ben Simmons right well, now. They should. That might be, that might be the noogie of the week. My noogie of the week. You touched on it is, is the NBA Throwing out Nikola Jokic for a flag and fall. What a joke. What a joke. I mean, the the way this game is refed, the inconsistency with how this game is refed, I, I would get thrown out of every game as a coach. This is just ridiculous. People, if you breathe on Kevin Durant, if you sniffle on Kevin Durant, it's a foul. But this guy can throw his shoulder, basically knock you out of the way, and it's not a foul at all. This guy can hit you on the elbow, and it's not a foul at all. It's clearly, to me, it, it, it's so bad that these referees are are leaning towards different stars and how they 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 ref different stars. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. 
I hate it. It's not, it is barely watchable, barely watchable. The other noogie I had was, and I may be very wrong about this and, and, and all the numbers tell me I'm wrong about this, but my feeling, you can't, you can't judge the feeling it is NASCAR hosting the all-star race on Sunday night. It just changed the feeling. I, I thought the race format was great. It, it really did a lot. Uh, jumbled some stuff up. I thought that, you know, kind of reducing, I know Ramsey, you're against this, but reducing the, the engines to make all the cars where you're not going to get a, a 10 second lead or, or a, a five, six second lead and, and run away with the, that segment or round, they call it. I thought that was great. Whether, whether they do that at a different horsepower, what you're talking about, uh, maybe jumping them up to, you know, 400 miles an hour. That that's great too. I would love that too. But, but I just did not, I, I did not, did not like Sunday night. The, the ratings were way up on it. And I thought, I thought it just didn't feel like a all-star race to me. Texas, give or take, that's a, it's an okay track. But um, to me, that all-star race has to happen, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a Saturday night. And has to be, has to have that feel. It has to bring fans back like a, like a Saturday night dirt track race to me. That's what, that would that would that is what would uh, kind of get my NASCAR mojo going. You guys know what I'm saying? No, I, I got. I'm I'm gonna agree with you 100 on the fact that it didn't have a. It had a really weird feel to it. Uh, you know, studies have shown that the most watched programming in TV is Sunday night. So I get why NASCAR did it. I totally understand it from a logistics standpoint, from a rating standpoint. It makes sense. You're really the only show on at that point. All the NBA kind of, I think the NBA games had been happening by then and, and all were over. all over. I mean, you're not going to probably lose out to, I think it was Cubs Cardinals on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. You're not going to lose there. I would hope not. And you're pro- the only thing I could think of otherwise that was sports on, you know, I think there was a WWE pay-per-view this weekend, but you're not going to lose that either. So all that said, it was a primetime rating spot. However, yeah, it just had a really weird feel to it. You know, Sunday night racing when it's not Labor Day or Memorial Day weekend, it, it's just a hard to kind of get into it. You know what they should do? Just throwing this out there. So NASCAR execs, I know you should be listening to me, but you're probably not. So, But if you do, for whatever reason, what you should do is you should take that Bristle Dirt Race and you should make that All-Star Weekend. Leave the same weekend, do it on a Saturday night, do Bristol Dirt, All-Star. Bristol would be electric. You can fit 100,000 people there. It would sell out. You would have, like Justin was talking about, that same feel. And really, in my opinion, you shouldn't necessarily have a dirt track be a points-paying race anyways in the current NASCAR Cup Series schedule. I love Bristol Dirt. I plan on going back next year, but that's what you should do. That's a great idea. I 100%, I 100% agree. And even if you did it like... Even if it was totally different, like uh, you you did Bristol on on a sat a Saturday night or or a Friday night, 
the Bristol Dirt Race, and then you and then you went to Nashville on Saturday night, and and you tried to combine both both spots and the best finishing position. Something that's a little more creative. I thought I thought the round system was creative. I thought that it, it could have been a few more laps um, to kind to kind of get tire wear a little more um, of a factor. Um, I know that they kind of limited the amount of tires that they had, but 20 lap rounds were a little, you know, whatever, not long enough. So I, I thought they made some good adjustments. I just did not like Sunday night. I, I, I mean, I was watching it full bore, but you know, old, old man, me, I'm, I'm it's nine o'clock and, and we're ready to get to that 10 lap shootout and, Great sakes, my eyes are starting to close. I gotta get up at four o'clock in the morning and go to work. So, you know, who wins? All right. My nugget of the week, Tom. My nugget of the week is gonna it's gonna go something that we're probably gonna touch on here later. And it's kind of it's almost being a dead horse at this point. I was gonna go with the Brewers, you know, they've lost three straight to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's red hot right now, it is what it is. My nugget of the week. Is Jay Glazer. Jay Glazer came out today contradicting basically everything that's been said about the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. Says, nope, he still wants to be traded. Team should still call. Jay Glazer hasn't really been a credible football reporter since really, I, I would say, the advent of Twitter for the sense that the whole appeal of Jay Glazer for years, you know, growing up watching NFL on Fox pregame show. He had the ins and outs. Now that we have Twitter and get the inactives right away as to who's playing, who's not, he's kind of become useless and trying to be doing this whole, you know, trying to become an insider like a like a Rappaport or the other stooge I'm not going to mention by name here at this show. So when he says this, first everybody clicks on the headline of team still want, you know, team should still call, Aaron Rodgers still wants out. Within that take in his own headline, because he was on Pat McAfee today, he says, I didn't hear this from Aaron. So you're kind of putting yourself right back in Adam Schefter's shoes of, yeah, this is just what I think. I, you know, you're, you're taking your journalism credibility, and you know, there's, you're probably a source on this. There's probably something somewhere. But to everything we're kind of hearing at this point between a person who's actually admitting to talking to Aaron Rodgers and James Jones about the situation that it's fixable, it's probably close to being fixed at this point, and, you know, doing this take that's based on an opinion that is not from the horse's mouth, you're putting yourself in a spotlight to put yourself in the spotlight at this point. And I, as a journalist with journalistic integrity, I can't get behind that. Hmm. Are we sure, though, that these guys don't have, they have, don't have some information that we don't know? Well, I'm sure there's yeah. something. It's it's you probably heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend. Yeah, but now no. that we're talking that this is now. I, I don't think we can just keep discrediting people just based on the fact that some other people are saying other things, right? Like we're taking James Jones at his word, but who's to say that these guys aren't right either? Well, what I'm saying though is, and it's it's not even on Jay Glazer, it's clickbait media. This is my. This has always been one of my, my driving forces. The things that just make me irrationally mad. Clickbait media exists because people want the shortened version. They don't have time to read through a whole article. 
People take opinions as news, which is a whole different discussion for a different day. But people take opinions as news because it comes from a, a source. And it just, everyone runs with it. It becomes gossip. And it goes from there. Same thing happened to Bob Domofsky last week. And the same things happened really throughout this entire process. And it, it's not just sports. This is really a, a larger world kind of thing going on, in my opinion, anyway. There's no media literacy. People see opinion. They take it as news because it's coming from somebody that they have taken as news in the past. And they run with it. Well, I think the other issue in America, and the, I don't want to get like political or nothing, so just take this as I'm telling it. There's no other hidden message behind it. If I ever see an article about anything, I look for a second article. But that's what I'm saying. With the Aaron thing, there is second articles. There's third articles. There's fourth articles. There's multiple people saying that he does not want to come back to Green Bay. I, again, I, I still full-heartedly believe he's going to. But the truth's probably somewhere in the middle, right? Probably in the middle. But, but again, there's, there's second, there's third articles. But it's, again, based on opinion. It's, it's not saying... I heard it from this source. You know, they're not even citing sources at this point, saying it's the source. It's, yeah, I don't think it comes back. Well, but if you're dealing with Aaron, are you saying your source either? I don't know. If I'm dealing with Aaron, I know I'm not. I'm not going to cite my source because Aaron's probably... The, the thing in media is if people want something to get out, they leak it, right? So someone, Overwhelmingly, you're, you're right. Someone close to Aaron is probably saying that he doesn't want to come back. If Aaron, Aaron might be telling his buddies that, yeah, I do, because that looks good on Aaron, but for the most part, these stories just don't get pulled from nothing. Like, the stories, and I know we've talked about it on the pod before, of we think people are pulling from nothing, but I, people traditionally don't just pull it out of thin air. Like, this report, I doubt, it's just pulled just out of nowhere. Like I said, though, it, it's opinion based on... What I would say, I mean, he has, Jay Glazer, in this situation, has more access to anything than I could ever imagine. I would love to have that level of access. This isn't necessarily just on Jay Glazer. The problem, and I sh I, maybe I should rephrase my noogie, but the problem that I'm having with all this is that every blog site out there, every, you know, kind of sports website is taking a, an opinion from Jay Glazer that's probably based on something. And reporting it as if Aaron Rodgers said it, which okay. we don't, we don't, yeah. we don't no, know if that. that's the case. You know, it's it's an opinion. Same thing happened with Rob Domofsky last week, and he actually went on Pat McAfee last week. And I don't want to say he dispelled everything like that, but he's just saying, "Yeah, I haven't talked to him since May, and I have, and or April, and it was about Jeopardy. It was before the draft." So my his opinion that Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back is based on some information and just kind of his read on the situation. And I was going to come into this, you know, before this Jay Glazer story broke today, I was going to come into this kind of guns blazing against the Packers front office, which hasn't exactly helped everything. They're, they're way too petty about every situation again. Well, the Packers front office, everyone should be fired in the Packers front office. But yeah, I was going to come into that, and then just this happened today, and I, I couldn't not talk about it. So uh, one other piece of Packer news is the possibility of internet superstar 
And average NFL player Will Compton is in talks with the Green Bay Packers among the Titans and the Falcons. So that is something that could happen. So bring Bustin with the boys to Green Bay with him and Taylor Lewan. And then we look at really not a whole lot happening with the, the Brewers. Like I said, they had lost three straight. Um, today, coming off one of the best really runs that they've had all year, had won 9 of 10, took over first place in the Central. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, really biggest news on the Wisconsin Badgers on any front is Donald Driver's son, Christian Driver, made his official visit to Wisconsin. And I have to believe that he's leaning towards Wisconsin as a DB. Another team that underachieves every year. That I could agree with. The rest of the state. I think Paul Curtis is a great coach, but I think he's got a little bit of Mike McCarthy. He kind of folds in in big moments. Of course, he's won the Orange Bowl. He's won won the, uh, what was it, the uh, Cotton Bowl. So he's won some big bowls, but the one ball that is escaping the Badgers that they can't win is the Rose Bowl. And barely win the Big the Ten big championship. championship. Yeah. And that's the thing, that the, the Badgers are just like the Packers, too, and they they play the teams they're supposed to beat, and they beat them, and they beat them usually pretty confidently. But as soon as they are slightly under... Over talent. If they play a team that's slightly better talent than what they do on their current roster, they fold like a lawn chair. Like it's just it's embarrassing yeah. sometimes. Uh, I would agree with that. The one caveat to that is is when they beat Miami in the Orange Bowl. Uh, I think you would look at that roster from top to bottom, mm-hmm. and you would probably say Miami had a uh, more talented roster. I mean, that's just, one uh, one game in fifteen years. Right. The the one caveat to that, um, I don't know. Uh, they're a good program. Are they? They're a top fifteen program in the nation. That's the best way to put it. So, as promised earlier, we said that this episode was going to be the Bucks Nuggie of the week. So, the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I don't I sent you guys the agenda and I don't make these public. I, I really should at this point on this one. When I write the agenda, I write it on Monday or Tuesday, right before we record. Right? Usually I send it either Tuesday morning or you know, sometimes Wednesday morning. Depending it's on usually how, Tuesday morning. Depending on how life's going. I was kind of waiting to send it out this week until after game five happened on Tuesday night. I had written down preliminarily. What should happen? What we should be talking about for this Bucks? You know, Bucks had the series by the balls. They had no Harden originally, for sure no Kyrie, and Kevin Durant was really the only threat. You came off your best showing in the playoffs and a pretty dominant game four. You've got these two guys out, and it ends up being one of these guys. You've got. And then if you win game five, you're coming back home to Milwaukee for six bucks and six. Looks like a stone cold lock. Until the third quarter happened last night. Bucks were up 17 going into half. I think their biggest lead of the game was either 17 or 18. Bucks looked unstoppable in that first half. They looked like this was this was over. Bucks went in Brooklyn, come back home from Milwaukee, five serves for all fired up. The Deer District's all fired up. This thing's over. And then the Milwaukee Bucks happened, and Wisconsin sports happened, and 
being a fan of another team that is going to give you false hope happened. Last night's game was one of the most infuriating sports moments I've ever had in my life. And not in a championship. At least, you know, it's, not, it's never in a championship game. And, you know, that's just heartbreak. Last night was infuriating. Where you're sitting there and you are watching this crumble and fall apart. Kevin Durant had 49 points last night. And the Bucks still should have won that game. Kevin Durant could still score 49 points. If you play somewhat defense on Jeff Green, who goes 7 of 7 from the three-point line, you win that game. There are so many blaming factors here, and I, I kind of want to go around and let just each of us go off for about a minute. Who is your biggest noogie of this series, specifically Game 5? Justin, I'll let you go first. Um, my biggest noogie it has to be. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna back down. I'm I'm gonna say the Bucks play, and I said this last episode. They needed to win three games in a row. They needed to take the first two at, at Milwaukee, and then needed to turn around and come steal this one right away in, in New Jersey or Brooklyn to uh to, to kind of solidify them to really have a shot at winning this series. Um, yeah, I think you feel good, kind of good about what you can do going back to Milwaukee and probably winning that game and, and how, how the series has played out so far of, of, um, the home teams winning. I think the Bucks played, uh, awesome, just great basketball for 10 quarters in a row that they, the one thing that I loved about it was exactly what we were all asking for was to get the ball out of Giannis's hands as a point forward. And they started playing basketball through Chris Middleton and, and Chris Middleton uh, over the last two and a half games has really showed up. He, he has really become what, what his contract says that he should become. Now, is he that, I, I don't know. Ramsey's definitely going to say no, but when they stopped doing that and, and they started playing one-on-one -on -one ball in the second half, and, and and just kind of letting Giannis or, or Holiday and Middleton just kind of not flow within an offense. It it was ridiculous. So my noogie is Budenholzer for not noticing what the hell he needs to do. Why are you not double teaming Kevin Durant on pick and roll? The guy is pulling up every time shooting it, whether it's from the elbow or, or from three. You, you need to double team. You, you make Bruce Brown or whatever that guy's name is beat you. You don't let Kevin Durant beat you. The best player in the NBA, you're letting the best player in the NBA go one-on-one, -on -one and he's beating you for 49 points. Are you kidding me with this? It's so logical that some dumb idiot that used to coach varsity girls basketball at the high school level notices what you need to do and you're playing a world-class athlete and you're not double teaming them. Get out of here with that garbage. Learn how to coach. That's my rant. All right. I'm going to double down on that. I also think Budenholzer is the most responsible. I could take the route of Giannis who disappeared once again. I could take the route of Chris Middleton, who is probably overpaid and limits the bucks in what they can do. 
Not going to do that. Because Chris Middleton, yes, he's limited, but he didn't make the contract the Bucks offered it to him. Mike Budenholzer is the sole biggest responsibility here for what happened. You had a game that you were up 17 at halftime. And Mike Tyson, in his probably, you know, post, you know, probably, I should say pre-CTE brain, had one of the greatest quotes of all time and says, everyone has a strategy until you get punched in the mouth. And that's great because what that teaches you is that you can have a strategy, you can have a plan, but you got to make adjustments. You've got to see what's going on around you and adjust to that as it happens, and that's how you succeed. Mike Budenholzer in Game 5 had his clipboard, looked down at it, and said, no, we're going to keep with this no matter what happens in the game. Like, at one point in the third quarter, I think Giannis had seven points in a row, like just back three straight possessions. Nets call timeout. What's Budenholzer do? He pulls them. You had Drew Holiday one-on-one with James Harden so many times. And you don't exploit the guy who went one for ten who's a liability defensively and turned up to be a liability offensively. You start playing, you know, you you put your your money where your mouth was. You went and go get PJ Tucker. And where's PJ Tucker in crunch time of the game? He's sitting on the bench because they had to play Giannis's brother on Kevin Durant, who is nowhere near the best. And you know, Giannis was the defensive player of the year last year. And you're not having him match up against the best scorer in the league, who probably, you know, same height, same type wingspan. Long, athletic play player, and you're not letting him match up on that? What are you doing? You're looking at so many times, time and time again, and you go to this isolation hero ball in the third and fourth quarter as the game's slipping away from you. You had a, I think I looked at on, on ESPN's app, and they have like the winner percentage, and granted, it, it's a, whatever, it's a made-up stat. At one point, the Bucks had like a 93% win percentage in the third quarter. And you watch that just slip and slip and slip away because you refuse to make adjustments. You refuse to take the game around you. And you fall back in the same crap that barely works in the regular season that is not going to work in the playoffs when you play a contender. When you don't put any defense on Jeff Green, who can't miss. And you allow him to beat you because you had Giannis... On somebody else, you had you. If you're this close, you know, I saw one thing where if you're this far away from a championship game because Dante DiVincenzo got hurt, you don't deserve to be in a championship game. The Bucks are a team that up until last night, I mean, including last night, don't have really much business winning a championship right now with everything that's all kind of clustered together. They were a team up until last night that could have played for one. After last night, I don't think they win back in Milwaukee. And if they do win in Milwaukee, there's no way in hell you're telling me that they're going to win in Game 7 in Brooklyn where Kyrie's probably back and James Harden's had three games now to get his shit right. And Kevin Durant's still the best player in the world right now. Absolutely. That's still playing. So you needed Game 5. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that, Justin. You need Game 5. And you were in the driver's seat. 
you let it slip away. And you choked at every opportunity. Ramsey? So, I will start off by saying, Kevin, I've, I've seen this comparison a lot today. Kevin Durant is not the best player in the world right now. There's a lot of people that are crowning him as the next coming of Christ because he had one big game. And Kevin Durant is a very good player. He's the best player still playing. I've so I'm not necessarily I don't disagree with that because Kawhi is out tonight. Kawhi is a better basketball player than Kevin Durant is, and Luka Doncic is also better. I mean, and LeBron healthy is a better player. I so Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is probably the fourth best player. Let's not overreact to a 50 point game that he had in playoffs. That's besides the point. The biggest issue that the Bucks have had, and I think we've all kind of hit on it, is that you have a defensive player of the year that is not guarding the best player. And I will, I don't understand, especially when James Harden's irrelevant. In the game last night. In the game last night, that why your best defender is not guarding Kevin Durant. And it's been that way. And I, I don't get the, the whole Giannis experiment at this point. Giannis is a talented player. Giannis is Russell Westbrook. Extremely athletic. He's more gifted athletically than everybody else in the league. However, he doesn't have a jump shot. He can't hit a free throw. You guys realize he's shooting like, I think they said 13 to 33 last night in the broadcast for the series. So you can't hit 50%. And Justin, as a basketball coach, I'm going to throw this over to you. What do you expect your players to hit in high school basketball? Oh, you better hit free throws. What, what, what's your percentage? Oh, well, for girls' basketball, high school girls' basketball, a, a team percentage would have been uh, 60, 65%. Team percentage, that's pretty good. That's individual, your goal, right? Individual percentage, if, if you're shooting somewhere between 72 to, to 80, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. And I'll, I'll, top, I'll take that for a second here, too. When we were in high school and we had our basketball practice, we strived for 80%. And we would, you know, we would do our free throw shooting two, three times a day in practice. If you had to hit eight out of ten, if you hit eight out of ten, you didn't have to run. If you, for everything you missed after eight, you ran either one down and back, one towel run, one way to towel run, whatever. If somebody went ten for ten, yeah, the whole team didn't run that that individual time. But we shot two, three times in practice. So, and granted, this is high school basketball in Gillette, Wisconsin, with a team, admittedly, not very relevant. At all. By any stretch of the imagination, not a very relevant team. But you still shot eight. You shot to get eight out of ten. And then you ran the difference out of the eight. So if you went four for ten, you ran, you ran four. Mm-hmm. So to shoot for 80% in high school basketball in rural Wisconsin on a team that's not relevant, and that being the goal, that's, that should be attainable for a player playing in the NBA who's a two-time MVP. And defensive player there. I, I'll speak from a little bit of experience playing with uh, under Gary Regal, and Gary Regal always the same practice. If you shoot 75% and play defense the way we coach you to play defense, you will win just about every game you go to. I can say that that's what happened. We would shoot 75% as a team and play solid defense, and we would win basketball games. In the NBA, if you can't shoot 75% from the line, I don't, I don't get it. Like, and I know everyone, and anytime you ever say that, and anyone that's been on like the Bucks floor and stuff, they're like, oh, well, those rims are really weird to shoot free throws on. I don't care. 
like it's not it's still basketball it's still standing still 10 at a feet line high. it's still 15 feet away and you're standing in the same spot putting a ball through a bucket with no one in your face so the fact that Giannis is shooting, and I, you guys might be able to credit me on this, but I, like I said, I'm pretty sure in the broadcast last night they said 13 of 33 for the series. That is unbelievably bad. And it's almost the point where he's not being aggressive late in games because he doesn't want to have to go shoot free throws is what it looks like to me. Like he, he gets less aggressive coming down the stretch because he's afraid that he's going to foul and have to go to the line. And just like you were talking about tonight, Justin, even with the 76ers and Ben Simmons, they're hacking him. Like, can you imagine being an NBA player and not being able to hit a free throw? And on top of that, right. everyone telling me in the world that Giannis is this great player. He's the MVP of the league. He's the next best thing. Uh, Giannis is probably the fourth best player in the series if everyone's healthy. Giannis is not as good as Kyrie Irving right now. Giannis is not as good as James Harden. And Giannis isn't even in the same building as Kevin Durant. Like, it's just baffling to me on how the Bucks have evaluated this talent between him and Chris Middleton where we gave max contracts to both and neither one of them are worth that. I understand you have to pay Giannis because he's the reigning MVP and he's, you still need to sell tickets and you still need to have an attraction. But for a winning basketball player, he's not won anything. He can barely make it out of round two in the East. Like, and it's not like the Bucks have even ran into the Bucks aren't the Nets even right now. That their two stars are injured and they have to have a otherworldly performance by their one of their stars to win a basketball game. It's not even the Clippers right now where Kawhi Leonard messed up his knee and it's out for tomorrow night. It, it, they're getting every single break, and LeBron's on the conference anymore. Kawhi went out west. The Brooklyn Nets are in shambles, and we still can't beat them. Like it, it just needs to be a full fire cell. Just fire everyone. Yeah, but here, here's the problem with the Bucks and that possibility: is you can't. You have dug your own grave with this roster, and you've dug your own grave. I mean, Mike Boonholzer isn't the answer in Milwaukee anymore. And I, I don't think anybody can convince me anything different. But as we've said on this show, where else do you go? You have to either go for someone who is young and an upstart, maybe, you know, uh, the guy that they have on their own staff right now who's a disciple of him, but maybe it's a fresh message. Darvin Ham. Thank you. So m- maybe that's the answer. But what do you, like I said, you're Dante DiVincenzo away from being competitive in the series, which that's not a knock on Dante, it's just that when you have three guys who you're going to try to tell me are all-star level players, you can't move Chris Middleton because of the contract. You can't move. You're not going to move Giannis. You shouldn't move Giannis. And Drew Holiday kind of disappeared late in that game too, which is really not great to see considering everything you just went with through with Eric Bledsoe. But it is what it is. So the only problem is, what do you do Nothing. at this point? You can't. You don't have draft assets. You don't really have a player you can go trade for, and you don't exactly have players that you can package in a deal to go get, say, like a Damian Lillard or go get that other missing piece. I don't know what you do if you're the Bucks, But that's what you have to do. And that's, so the whole Bucks roster, and this is kind of one thing that's kind of also plagued LeBron throughout his career, 
to win with LeBron and to win with Giannis, your complementary pieces have to be somewhat specific. Where, so for what it's worth, like Steph Curry, and I've said before I'm not a huge Steph Curry fan. I think he's kind of weak in the game of basketball just by himself. But Steph Curry can play with anybody. And Damian Lillard can play with anybody. LeBron needs to have a little bit of a specific body style or play style to go along with him. It kind of has to be an Anthony Davis type player or a Bradley Beal type player. Someone that can is athletic enough to get to the rack but can also get a kick out for a three. Well, NBA. Kevin Love. Kevin Lo- Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. Irving was a good fit with LeBron. Um, but So LeBron needs a specific kind of player, and that's what Giannis needs. And that's the problem with where the Bucks are right now is that Giannis needs a specific player to play with him. And those guys are one of three things. Unavailable, way too expensive, or don't want to play in Milwaukee. So, and to find that person, I, there's probably what, I can think of three in the league right now that could actually work with Giannis. Here's one that they could have had and they, they choked on, Chris Paul. Chris Paul would, I... Can I imagine if Chris Paul was playing with this team right now. I don't know if Chris Paul's that answer. Well, I'm just saying, you had a guy who wanted to play in Milwaukee, wanted to play with Giannis, who has had a renaissance in his own mind, in his own right this year. Granted, it's not long-term sustainable. Probably. Sure. Probably. I, I don't know. His game's going to age pretty well. But that would have been a guy that would have been probably a great fit. And if you had Chris Paul running the one, then maybe you put Drew Holiday, because I think Drew Holiday was already on the team by that point when they were so kind of looking for Chris Paul. But then you run Drew, Drew Holiday on the two. And then you can do that, or... Chris Even, Middleton plays the three. Giannis plays the four. You got Brooke Lopez, who also disappeared late in that game last night. I, every player who played in the floor last night for the Bucks disappeared at one point or another. And, you know, even with, like you're saying, with Chris Paul, you could have played him on off guard. He played a lot of off guard in Houston. Houston almost, right. almost exclusively in Houston, he was playing too. But the other players right now that I could even see working here would be Bradley Beal. He's not coming here. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's not coming here. And a player like a Devin Booker or uh, Donovan Mitchell. And neither one of those guys are going to come here. Those guys are going to be fran- pretty much everyone we just named are franchise pieces that no one's really moving. So what do you do if you're Milwaukee? Get a new coach and run it back next year to watch Giannis implode on himself in the playoffs again? How long are they going to be able to do that until the fans get fed up with it and don't care anymore? I think it's starting to get to that point already. Where even this whole year I've been living in the state of Wisconsin and follow the NBA relatively close. And I'm over Milwaukee because I know they're not for real. They're not a for real title contender. They get here, and I don't know, we talked about the playoff predictions a little bit ago, and I thought that Milwaukee was healthy. They played good defense. I thought that this was going to be the other going to turn around, and all of a sudden, here again in the playoffs, it's the same story. Giannis underachieving, Chris Middleton way overpaid, and we're just going to repeat the same process over and over and over again for the rest of until Giannis' contract is up in five years. Yeah, Justin, you got anything here? Well, it's a, it, that's about basically what you're going to have to do. I mean, you're, you're kind of stuck in that situation. I, the one caveat that, out of this argument that I'm going to make that I think is getting a little tossed around on Budenholzer is why you're not playing Giannis on Durant. The, 
I understand the fact that that we all think that he is, you know, this great, long, lanky uh, defensive player. But we also have to pay attention to the way that Durant is getting follow calls. And if we end up, I, I, I would flip this argument and say down the stretch, in the final six minutes of the fourth quarter, we best have Giannis on Durant. That's where it makes sense. But to to go the whole game, and with how many free throw attempts that Durant is shooting in a game, I mean, P.J. Tucker's been in foul trouble every game, every game of the series. And I don't know who else they, they flipped on him. Connington, I think it was, at one point. Every one of those guys has at least gotten three, four fouls. So if you're, if we're talking Giannis played 43 minutes the other night, we're not playing Giannis on Durant for 43 minutes. So we, that is one part of this argument where you can kind of look at Budenholzer and kind of agree with it and say, okay, we'll cut you a little slack there. But if you're playing less superior athletes on him, you better be double teaming him. I'll tell you on Friday night, they better double team Durant because he's going to walk away with this, with this series. And we're going to be talking about finding a new coach. So I'm going to say this though, Justin, I I don't know how much you've been paying attention to the Clippers jazz series, or I mean, even really any series that LeBron has played in the last decade. But what I expect of Giannis is to be able to play on Kevin Durant and not foul him. Kawhi Leonard has played almost exclusively on Damian Lillard after game two. So game three and game four, Kawhi Leonard was on, that was his primary defensive assignment was on um, Donovan Mitchell. So I just don't, I, I expect a defensive player of the year, MVP, two-time player to be able to defend Kevin Durant and not follow him. And I know what you're saying, and that makes sense, and I kind of did overlook that. But I think there's still a point where we can't make excuses for Boonholzer or Giannis to say, hey, we're paying you 42 or $40 million a year, and you can't defend their best player. I think that, that's, that's the point I'm making, that Giannis needs to, if he's making all first-team defensive teams and defensive player of the years, and he's made his career kind of to this point on being a two-way player. He needs to be a two-way player. And if not, not then I'm we not, shouldn't have paid him that yeah. money. And I know what you're saying, I'm and not, I'm just, that's where I'm coming from on this topic. I think, I don't, I, what you said makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about it in that light. But still, you, Giannis still has to be able to hop over there and defend Kevin Durant for five, six minutes at a time, really throughout any quarter that we need to have him do that. Giannis I, I totally, able. I totally agree with it. I'm just we have to pay attention to the way that that Durant is getting refed. You know, he, you, you blow on him or you drip an ounce of sweat on him right now. He's getting a foul call, and, and we can't, as depleted and as much as we want to beg on Giannis, if we if we're sitting with Giannis in foul trouble, we're in a world of hurt. We're we don't even. You know, I mean, that win percentage that Eric was talking about is down to you know, 12% instead of where it was. Yeah, I, I think the the part that makes me the most upset, and I don't want to say I was rooting for this to happen, because I definitely wasn't, but 
when LeBron and the Lakers got bounced in the first round by Phoenix, I was actually kind of excited to be a Bucks fan. Yeah, because it gives you someone to root for. I, I, the Bucks are never going to be my primary focus until LeBron's out of the league. That's just the way it's going to be for me. And I imagine you're probably the same way, Ramsey. I, the Bucks will never be my primary focus because they're a trash organization. But when you sit here and I, I feel for Bucks fans right now, like the, the diehards right now. Because I was so pissed off after last night's game. Just, you know, like I said, I was so excited to be like, just, you know, not have to focus on LeBron. Get to focus on the Bucks. You know, you know, it, even when LeBron was in the playoffs, you focus on the Bucks in the East. But it's just, it's all the attention in the world on, on the Bucks right now. This series was a chance to right the wrongs that have happened last year, that happened against Toronto in 2019. The last and, two years. And you had... You had a golden opportunity, and just at every single turn, whether it be Budenholzer making decisions or, or Giannis not playing smart and taking a shot or, or any number of things that happen, you, you just let it slip away at every possible turn. Well, this is just like that Toronto series, though. It, it's exactly like it. Just like it. I'm glad you brought that up because it's just like... They're supposed to win. They come out looking pretty good. And then all of a sudden, the wheels just fall off. Toronto got hot, and that was it. And it, it's just tragic because, like I said, you, you have no real escape plan to really do anything outside of basically kind of mortgage your entire team, you know, try to find, try to package, say, Chris Middleton, and two or three other players and go get, say, like a Beal or say like a Dame or or whoever you think that piece is. And I'm not sure it matters at that point. It doesn't. Honestly. Because the Bucks have been really good this year because they can go 10 deep. They have 10 guys on the bench that can, or 10 guys total that can play big minutes if you needed them to. So you lose all your depth and then it happens again. A pretty... Standard thing on a lot of those LeBron teams that we were talking about from about five or six years ago, they had an excellent starting five, but as soon as your second unit got in there, they were getting outclassed by the other team's second unit. Golden State won all those titles against LeBron, or what, two? Two against LeBron? Or was it three? Three. 15, 17, 18. So they won those three titles against LeBron, but that wasn't necessarily because... Le- LeBron's teams, especially in 16 when everyone's healthy, and they won that title, but the biggest difference between those two teams were that when Golden State's second unit came in, they went 10 deep, and they didn't. They outclassed Cleveland almost exclusively. And that's what happened in, I believe, 18, 15 more healthy, 17? Whatever was, Kyrie was healthy, I believe, in 17, too. And that was the big difference, too, is that those teams were healthy and deep. And that's just, that's why the Spurs teams are so good. That was the downfall of Miami teams as well that LeBron was on, that that depth is gone. So as soon as the Bucs would have to make a package and mortgage their future out, you lose that depth, and then you're not, you're top-heavy. And that, that was the problem I thought that Brooklyn was going to have. And, I, and, I, and granted, you know, it's not evident in this series because... Kevin Durant goes and scores 49 points. Jeff Green decides to score, what, 21 or whatever he ended up having yeah. last night. And 
you lose that series where James Hart you lose a game where James Harden, who's probably the second best player on the court at any point, goes one of ten. You lose a game where just every effort, like I said, you you blew a seventeen point lead. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you just couldn't respond to the moment. And I don't know what fixes that, and I'm not gonna that this isn't the episode to sit here and fix that. But if you're a Bucks fan, things gotta look really bleak right now. Not just in this series, but just as an organization where you are right now. You know, we talk about the Packers being okay with complacency, and you know, Boonholes are having that same effect that, I, and I think I've said this before that Mike McCarthy had, where just the message was stale. You've got talent, the talent doesn't get up for that big game anymore. They don't have a killer instinct. You can't tell me one player on the Bucks team right now has a killer instinct. No. And then you look at where this team is as an organization. There's so many Bucks fans, and they're not quite, you know, this isn't, you know, not to go back to the Packers because it is what it is. I don't want to have that conversation at this point in the episode. But you've got a, a team that was so bad for so long that Bucks fans are just happy to be here instead of, you know, what, realizing where they were in 2018 or 2019, whatever year it was. And... They're like I said, they're happy to be here, but they don't. I don't know if it's a front office thing or if it's a fan perspective or what it is. They don't seem to have that ability to get over the hump, and I I don't know what it takes at this point because I I don't see a route to get there with this team the way it is right now. But I think that's the most heartbreaking thing about it, though, is just you know you you know look at when we grew up, Ramsey and and Justin when you were kind of you know growing up there too. They had 2001, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. 2001, you're in Eastern Conference uh, Finals. You lose to the 76ers to go to lose to Kobe and Shaq. That is what it is. Right. You know, Allen Iverson was on top of the world right at that point. They had Eric Snow to come in with Tembo. You, they were a pretty good, a good team. team. It is what it is. Yeah. From 2003 to about 2000, well, I mean, there was an eight or five year window because I think they go back to the playoffs in 08. But then from like 08 to 2013. 13, 2014, 2015, the team was another dumpster fire. So you had one good year well, they were, where you were a playoff team, and I think a losing one at that. And people forget that the Bucks were basically giving tickets away. They like, still were when when this team was kind of forming in 2015, 2016. Yeah. I remember, and I don't know if they still do, I don't, you know, I remember they had a thing called Student Rush where they would text college students the day of the game you could get a ticket like for like five bucks. Yeah, I, well, that was how it was. Even I remember going to see the Boston Celtics down there. That was in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. when the team that ended up winning the uh, championship that year mm-hmm. from Boston. And I think I got tickets for that game for like I got like twelve dollars mm-hmm. or something. And that's you know world championship caliber team. And then even before that, I mean, you look at the the '90s Bucks and the '80s Bucks. Yeah, there was occasional pop up teams, but really since '71, I mean, people. Well, I have relevancy. You want to be you want to be in the spotlight, but when you fade in the spotlight and you just take the back seat, you just kind of you you know you you have so many people who are just oh yeah the Bucks suck you know oh they're in the Eastern Conference Finals oh they're in the second round of the playoffs well, that's pretty exciting, and they call it there. And I, I, that's just, I think, the most frustrating part about it, though, too. And the thing is, uh, again, and uh, we don't want to necessarily be a dead horse on this topic, but you have Giannis, and for what it is, he's still an MVP-caliber player. I don't think that 
I don't think history's going to remember Giannis very fondly. I think they're going to kind of look at him like a Russell Westbrook when it's all said and done. But for the time being, you have the league MVP and you can't get out of the second round. And that I think that's probably the most bleak thing. And it's going to be just like what happened with all these other superstars that go in these small markets. And they're just going to Giannis end up looking around the league and being like, hey, there's nothing that's going to help me here. I might as well go play with Luka down in Dallas. Or go out west, go play with insert team here. Or go out east to one of the New York teams. Go play out, you know, go play in a big market where you're going to make more money. And that's just the, you know, that's the thing that sucks about being a small market in a big market league. Just any final thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think my final thought is is I'm I'm not as as far gone. I, I'm upset as as upset as you guys, but I'm not as far gone as let's blow this thing up. Let let's start over. Let's trade bait. I mean, in reality of it, we have we have a couple of young guys that can really whatever they are, they can really play basketball. And Ramsey said we're a deep basketball team. Uh, I don't think I don't I don't think I, I th- all I think is is I think we've lost a message. Uh, I think we've gotten I, I think we've gotten stuck in the in the Budenholzer rut where we can win big games <clears throat> in in uh, the regular season. We can do some great things in the regular season, and we can win a series or two in in. Uh, in, in the playoffs, but we can't win the big one. I think we need what, what this team needs to do. And I know some might be against it, but what this team really needs to do is go out there. They've made a big splash in signing Giannis. They they've given Middleton the big contract, whether you agree with that or not, they've turned around and, and they've, and they've gotten drew holiday in a big trade. They've built the depth on the bench. Now the last part of it, the last uh, piece to that puzzle is we need to go out there and get a big name as a coach. So we need to go out there. We need to go out there and get somebody that, that knows and has won big games in, in the past. Like, like Philadelphia right now, you know, they didn't, they had Mike Brown or who, whoever it was um, before uh, the guy who had the terrible uh, fake Philly accent. Um, and now they went out and they and they got Doc Rivers. Whether you like that or not, he he's the championship winning coach. He's done it. Okay, so we need to go out there and we need to find that coach. Uh, I would say this if we're talking about coaches, two coaches got released today. One being Stan Van Gundy, and the other being Scott Brooks. I believe got released. Yep. Yeah, Scott Brooks would probably be a pretty interesting fit, I think, in Milwaukee. And I also think Stan Van Gundy, for what it's worth, his kind of big knock on his entire career at this point has been he doesn't necessarily get along with players. However, sometimes that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I don't know if necessarily a retread like either one of those guys is because those guys have kind of bounced around the league a little bit. But people forget Stan Van Gundy made a... Uh, finals appearance with the Orlando Magic with a young Dwight Howard. Yep. And that might be just the type of coach that could come in and 
I don't know. I, I'm not necessarily on board with Stan Van Gundy, but you could probably convince me. I, mean, I, I I like that, but I like I like the other Van Gundy. I like Jeff Van Gundy. I, I don't think strict is the way to go. I think I think a different way of being Mike Budenholzer is the way to go. A, a fun guy to be around, a guy that can joke with the players, but be accountable. I don't know. I, I just don't. I, I'm not even saying that that Budenholzer is this all of a sudden this bad coach. I just don't think his message is what they need down the road or down in crunch time. Yeah, I, so, I think I think it's kind of just to kind of bring the thing full circle here is you either win with a guy who just needs a, a fresh start in a fresh place, maybe like a Van Gundy or maybe like a Scott Brooks, you know, a la, you know, a guy who's going to kind of lay the law down when he has to, just kind of like how uh, – Joe Madden won with the Cubs in, in baseball. You kind of just need Go that. Mark. You just need that different that different guy, or you need a young upstart who the players are going to go gaga for, kind of like what the Cavs did with Ty Lue. You need one of the two, and I don't know which one it is, but you need just a different voice, different message. So I will echo that sentiment hundred percent. I just don't. I don't. I don't think it's time to to blow it up, right? The with the Drew Holiday trade, um, th- they made a step in the right direction. They're a better team than they were last year. They're probably a better team than they were two years ago. Um, so I, I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, Justin. I would just play a little bit of devil's advocate, though, and say, as at this point, if Brooklyn is healthy, Boston's going right. to be better. Miami, I think, is going to be better again. I, I don't think that you can just bring this roster back next year and say, oh, this is what we're going to put on the court again. Because they're going to, they should have been done in five. If everyone stays healthy, this is a five-game series. So I don't necessarily know if, do you, do you know what I'm saying? I don't necessarily know if we can just retread this roster again and pull it back out and be like, hey, here you go, Bucks fans. Let's see if we can do it this year. I mean, I get, I, I can agree with that. I, 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 I've got your devil's advocate, right? I, I agree with it, but I don't think there's a person that went through this season from game one to where we are now, or even in preseason looking at it, that didn't think the three best teams in the East were Philadelphia, the Bucks, and New Jersey in whatever, in whatever fashion you wanted to order them, you know? I I think I don't know who I don't know who New Jersey is. I had to I had to. I'm sorry, Brooklyn, (laughs) Brooklyn, Brooklyn. My bad. That always is getting me. But um, I don't know that Boston's really that close. Sure, they've got a superstar. Um, Jalen Brown is is a is a good player. They certainly missed him. But I I don't know that they're that close to the top three teams. To be honest with you. Um. Other than that, I I don't think that I I think a lot of people really thought that Philadelphia was going to be the three seed and it was going to be a fight between the Bucks and and uh, the Nets. So take what it is. If the message isn't the same, we need to move the message, not the roster. Yeah. All right. So with that, we're gonna wrap up the episode with what we always wrap up for. And in the next week, 
What are you guys rooting for the most? I think I know Ramsey's. I think I know Justin's. But I'll let you guys go. Just Ramsey? I'm hoping the Bucks get blown up by 60 tomorrow night. I hope Kevin Durant goes off for 75 points and, and puts the Bucks down. Just put them down, put them to rest. So I don't have to talk or watch the Bucks anymore for at least another year. Justin? Well, I'm going to ask you a question. What did you think I was going to root for? Uh, I'm going to say that you're rooting for a healthy little baby girl birth, that everything goes swimmingly, and that everything goes great, and you're going to be so happy, and Katie's going to be happy, and, and everything's going to be awesome, and we're going to see some pictures on our Facebook page, and we're going to finally get the name because no one commented on the name contest in months. That's what I'm going to say you're rooting for. So, I mean, ba- basically, I could say the name right now, right? Yeah, we're, we're releasing this on Friday. The name will probably already be out. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, true. So, yeah, you're, you're, absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely right, Eric. Uh, um, I don't want to steal your moment, by the way. I just I had to. Nope, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful you did because that's exactly what I was rooting for. Happy, uh, healthy mom and, and, and baby girl, Josie June. Josie June, um, JJ, she'll go by. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm ready for, for this to be over for my wife. She, she's had a, a, a battle throughout this whole ordeal. Um, so uh, I'm glad that it's almost over for her. And I can't wait to meet my new baby girl. And uh, I'm probably going to shed some tears on being a, uh, another, a, a dad to another child. And, and just, it's a great opportunity to, uh, to keep growing up, boys, to keep growing up. So I appreciate the thanks and, or the, the, the congratulations and all that and uh, as we go forward. So, um, and uh, I'm also rooting for a good, a good, a good start to to the football job, and, and hoping that everything with that gets off on the right track, and we can really start building an, a nice power program up here in Gillette, and and, and getting uh, getting our boys back on track and, and moving in the right direction. So, those are two long-term routes, but. Um, yeah, those those are it, guys. Uh, Man, I, I think should... you're up, Eric. Should should I guess yours? You might as well. Let's see what if you can do mine as good as I did yours. It's e- it's either the Brewers, or I'm gonna go for hot dog night at the T Rats game. Wow, wow, so original. Um, no <laughs> beer beer night. I I would root for dollar beer night. Dollar beer night's the best night to go to a game. You're not entirely wrong, but here's what I'm going to say. You are right about the Brewers. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I just want them to get the ship ready here. I'll be down there again next week, Friday, for my birthday. So what, Fourth one? Fourth one of the year, yeah. So here's what I'm rooting for, Justin. Yes, my Milwaukee Brewers. Yes, someone's going to talk about them on this show. I'm just rooting for our lives right now, guys. We've, gone, we've been at this for over half a year. And, Ramsey, we just celebrated your birthday. Awesome party. Justin's got a little girl on the way. He just took a football coach. I've got 10 days off consecutive coming up here. Nice. And, and just, you know, get a, you know, kind of regroup, regroup the mind, everything like that. Yeah, I'm going to hit a brewer game. I'll be up. Actually, I'm going to be bouncing all around the state this coming week. I've got uh, a wedding to go to this coming weekend. I'll be up in Ashland for that. I've got one the following weekend back in Green Bay. I'll be at a brewer game. Who knows where I'll be? I should really just kind of post that. Where's Eric this week? Or where's Eric yeah, today? Yeah, where's 
Yeah, like a Where's Waldo deal. That's awesome. Yeah, That's kind a great of. So just, just a nice little 10-day, you know, like I said, get their mind right, get the body right. And, uh, yeah, just rooting for us here. We've got an awesome episode coming up ne- next week. Uh, nothing really specifically that we're going to talk about, but just more of us being us and our shenanigans, which if you're listening at this point, that's on you, man. I, you're 27 episodes in. You're like, hey, let's come back for 28. That's on you. But we thank you for it. This is the Roof of Wisconsin Show, episode 27 in the books. We're out. See ya. Salute. Bye.